Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and welcome to your weekly astrology forecast for the week of September 14th through September the 20th. Uh, this week, the sun will be making a trine to a retrograde Pluto at 22 degrees of Virgo and Capricorn, respectively. Uh, Venus will be conjoining the fixed star Acellus Australis, which is one of the celestial asses that we like to talk about here on the forecast. Um, that's at a nine degrees Leo this week on Monday the 14th. Mercury will be conjoining the fixed star Algarab, which is part of the constellation Corvus, uh, the crow that failed in its task to fill the divine cup when given that task by Apollo. So we'll break that down. That's at 13 degrees of Libra. On Tuesday the 15th, uh, Venus will be moving into the second decan of Leo, where we'll talk about the Six of Wands. That decan is associated with victory and triumph and um, being celebrated for uh, well-earned authenticity. Uh, also on that day, Venus will be making a square to a retrograde Uranus at 10 degrees of Leo and Taurus, respectively, and the Sun will be conjoining the fixed star Alkis at 23 Virgo. And Alkis is part of the uh, constellation that is related to Corvus the Crow. It is in the constellation Crater, um, which was the cup that he was being tasked to fill, the divine cup, the Holy Grail. So we'll talk about that a little bit in the relationship with those two constellations because that'll help us parse out that story. On Thursday, the 17th, Mercury will be making a square to Jupiter at 17 degrees of Libra and Capricorn, respectively. And on that day, we'll be experiencing our Virgo new moon at 25 Virgo, which is the third decan. Uh, it will be making a very close trine to a retrograde Saturn at 25 degrees of Capricorn. So we'll break down all that symbolism. Um, this particular new moon is going to be speaking of uh, how are we going to leave behind a legacy when, the, when our bodies uh, have kind of begun to, to decay or shrivel up. Or, and we can think about that metaphorically too. All the things that we've been working on over the summer uh, what is going to stay and what is going to go as we work towards the fall equinox and the transition towards the, uh, the darker months of the year. All right. So also on Thursday, the 17th, Venus will be conjoining the fixed star Acubens at 13 degrees of Leo. And that is a star that's associated with resurrection. It's part of the constellation Cancer. Um, so we will break that down as well. On Saturday, the 19th, Mercury is moving into the third decan of Libra. Uh, we'll talk about the Four of Swords. And then finally, Venus will be conjoining the fixed star Doobie at 15 Leo, which is one of the main fixed stars in the constellation Ursa Major, the great bear in the sky. So that's what we've got for this week. Um, hope that you're all doing well and surviving Mars retrograde so far. Let me know in the comments what your week has been like, if issues have come up. I want you to look at your own chart and see where the the houses, Aries, and Scorpio fall because Mars is responsible for those two particular areas of your life and those houses in your chart. Um, and uh, yeah, see what, what you're being asked to review and where you may be experiencing a few false starts and some frustration, but ultimately some kind of divine course correction. I know that in the news, we've got uh, half of the West Coast or maybe all of the West Coast is on fire right now. It's very literal uh, Mars symbolism. The sky was um, very, very red. I was, seeing, uh, I was seeing a video of San Francisco the other day with uh, 
the Blade Runner music <laughs> laid over top of it and a drone footage of a completely smoke-filled red sky. So, um, yeah, Mars is making his presence felt on the Earth right now. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. I think one of the things that I've been, that's been coming up for me, thinking about the Mars retrograde and, and about what we're seeing in the collective right now, is definitely being asked about change and being asked to think about how our actions, Mars, are having an effect universally and on the systems that we're a part of, which is part of the Mars-Saturn relationship. Saturn is working uh, through the third decan of Capricorn, which speaks a lot about um, being able to really examine from a, a bird's eye view the, the power structures that we're a part of, which includes how we deal with things like climate change and how we deal with uh, resources, whether, whether they're fossil fuels or renewables. And um, I think that's been my big, biggest takeaway from the first few days of Mars retrograde is that uh, we have a lot of issues that we're trying to deal with in 2020. It seems like they're just continuing to come one right after another. Um, we've got a lot of stuff going on with social justice, with racial equality, with financial equality in our system. Um, but I do think that the climate change question is something that really is coming back uh, in addition to coronavirus. Man, there's just so many things we're dealing with right now. But um, one of the first thoughts that I had with this particular circumstance is that um, that's an issue that's going to unite, I think, the world on some level uh, because that's going to take cooperation from uh, nations, from people who are the power brokers in the world and the common folks. Uh, to cooperate with one another to hopefully, I don't know, begin to deal with that. And I guess the first step in that is acknowledging that it's a problem. And if you can't acknowledge that climate change is a problem while half of your country is on fire, then I don't know what else to tell you. But um, anyway, um, those are the things that are going through my mind, not just as an astrologer, but as a citizen of the world and, and as someone who is trying to create a better future for not only myself and my family, but for everyone and for the people who come come after me. So um, those are the things that are on my mind. Let's move to the uh, planetary condition report for the week and try to go a little quicker through things. I did a two-hour <laughs> deep dive last week, and I'm trying to think about how efficient I can be with my, uh, with my time and uh, what is the most effective use of the forecast here and things of that nature. So, you know, give me some feedback on things that you like about the, the, the forecast, things that you thought think can be improved. Um, Mars retrograde through my ninth house, and that's how I teach, you know, astrology and, and how I share my wisdom. And there may be some things on the chopping block. So there might be some parts of the forecast that may be a little bit too detailed. Maybe you want to hear more, more directions with other things. Um, but yeah, give me some feedback. I, I, I can take it. <laughs> But anyway, moving moving forward, uh, the sun is going to be moving to 21 to 28 degrees of Virgo this week, the third decan, um, where it is peregrine, means it doesn't have any essential dignity. Uh, it will be conjoining the fixed star Alkis at 23 degrees of Virgo, which is part of that constellation crater, which is like the Holy Grail, the sacred cup, some kind of divine vessel that is carrying something immortal, uh, some kind of message that we need to share with the world. Uh, and we will we will break that down a little bit more as we get uh, closer to our daily forecast here. 
uh, the sun will be moving through the terms of Mars from 21 to 28 degrees, and then the terms of Saturn from 28 to 30 degrees. So sun is moving through a difficult area of the zodiac right now with uh, malefic bound lords. It will be making a trine to Saturn, Jupiter, and Pluto and Capricorn. It'll also be uh, completing a trine with um, Uranus and Taurus, and then opposing, finishing, and separating from that opposition from Neptune in Pisces. Uh, we're still dealing with that as I record this on, on Saturday uh, the 12th, um, kind of that separation energy. I know I've been feeling a little fuzzy uh, the last few days and, and uh, trying to work through all these details have been very difficult with a Neptune opposition, especially with these two signs of Virgo and Pisces, where we're seeing how, how the daily practice, the, the actions that we're taking fit into the bigger picture, fit into the, the grand idealism that we are trying to enact here with this earthly incarnation. Uh, the sun's host this week is Mercury in Libra, where it is in aversion to its host. So that means that means that it's not able to witness it. We're still having some difficulty uh, figuring out um, who we are based on the relationships that we have in our lives too. We're doing a lot of questions about what is fair, what is balanced. Um, we're this week, especially with Mercury, we're dealing with the agreements that we've made, the the, bound, the binding contracts that we have made with one another or with our work too. This is where we're really examining like what we're what we've committed to. All of our commitments are up for up for uh, discussion right now with Mercury in this particular placement. Um, so that's what's going on with the Sun and its host. Saturn is retrograde this week uh, at 25 degrees of Capricorn. It's in its own domicile and its own terms from 22 to 26 degrees. It is co-present with Jupiter and Pluto and Capricorn. It is making that overcoming square to Mars in Aries, and it is receiving an overcoming square from Mercury in Libra. It will be trining Uranus and Taurus and sextiling uh, Neptune in Pisces, and also uh, receiving an overcoming trine from the Sun. It is in its own domicile, so it is its own host. So Saturn is still doing its thing. Saturn is, of course, the big thing with Saturn is it's making that square to, uh, to Mars, and that is slowing all of our actions down as well as Mars's retrograde cycle. Um, as I've said in some previous forecasts, everything leads back to Saturn right now. Saturn is, is, is very powerful in the sky. It has the upper hand with most of these um, positions, and... Um, I think we can. We all need to ask ourselves, what would Saturn do when we're when we're trying to make decisions? And so here's what Saturn would do. Saturn would think about the long term. Uh, Saturn would let go of the things that have outlived their their usefulness, and you know, start to pare down and consolidate things. Um, Saturn is asking us to really take some responsibility and bind ourselves to positions of power, or to be able to compost. The positions of power so that we can make a new start when we move, move into uh, Aquarius. Um, I would say that Capricorn is definitely where energy leaves the, the celestial plane. And once we have Saturn moving into Aquarius, that's where we're going to be seeing a lot of new, uh, I guess, the new order starting to be formed. There was a really nice debate uh, on Twitter about um, believe this uh, astrologer named Rob, his last name escapes me. And uh, another friend of mine, SJ Anderson, had a really good comment about Saturn and, and about Aquarius in general, because this, uh, this um, 
other astrologer was talking about how uh, the difference between how modern astrologers think of Aquarius as the rebel and how traditional astrologers really, there's a little bit of a different take on it. I do think that there is some like living outside of the norm qualities with Aquarius for sure. A lot of thing, a lot of that I think has to do with the sun being in its exile. Also, uh, Aquarius is a fixed air sign. There's a lot of idealism and in a, and a, a desire to stick with one's ideas, even in the face of opposition. So like a, a, a sun in Leo would maybe be a little bit more flexible because there's a, a little bit of a, an audience-pleasing quality or a desire to please an audience with, with Leo placements. But with Aquarius, it's kind of like you're doing what has to be done, whether you're getting the applause or not. Um, and this may also apply to the rules, Saturn, that we're bound to as a society. Uh, so I, I do think that that's what's coming with the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in the, the months ahead is really determining what a new society is going to look like and what the rules of that society are going to look like. A lot of people have been predicting like a, a autocratic, uh, I believe the word is, what is tech, technocracy, something like that. That may not be the exact word, but you know, where we're being observed, like, like you can see with like contact tracing with COVID, where we've got technology that is creating the rules and the structures and and that may very well be on the table, uh, much to, to many people's chagrin. Um, but we'll see. We'll have to live through it. Okay, so that's kind of what's going on with Saturn and contextualizing that. Jupiter uh, is turning direct as I speak. It is stationing right now as I'm recording this. And by the time that you will be listening to it, uh, it will be moving direct Saturday afternoon and into the weeks ahead. So uh, Jupiter is going to start picking up steam again. It's been moving at a snail's pace. So the Sagittarius and, and Pisces areas of your life probably have been kind of grinding to a halt, but those areas are about to start moving forward again. And we might, might start to see some progress. Now, uh, keep in mind, Jupiter is in its fall. Uh, it will be moving through the 17th degree uh, uh, or 18th degree, I guess you could say, 17 degrees Capricorn. And uh, I'll, I'll give another shout out to my friend SJ. He, he pointed out that when Jupiter went direct at this particular degree uh, in history, J.R.R. Tolkien released uh, the, the Lord of the Rings, or at least The, the Hobbit, or, or one, of the, uh, one of the books of that, that particular series. It may, it may have been the, the first Lord of the Rings book. Um, but there was some movement with that. So he was like, you know, see, good things can come from Jupiter in Capricorn. Um, so Jupiter will be in the terms of Venus from 14 to 22 degrees. It is co-present with all those Capricorn planets, uh, Saturn and Pluto. It will be making its own overcoming square to Mars and Aries, receiving a square from Mercury in Libra, trining the Virgo sun, trining Uranus and Taurus, and sextiling Neptune and Pisces. The host of, of Jupiter this week is a retrograde Saturn in Capricorn, which it is co-present with. So, uh, yes, we're going to be able to kind of um, maybe receive, again, some, some gifts. Uh, this is one of the things that Jupiter likes to do, is it likes to bring, bring us good things. Just be careful, because it's uh, what we are receiving may not be what we normally expect. Um, I think that another um, friend of mine pointed out that one of the things that Jupiter brings in Saturn is a 
uh, since we're dealing with a lot of hardship right now, we may really appreciate just the little things. So it doesn't have to be these grandiose gifts or grandiose gestures. Um, we may receive a smaller gift, and but it may really seem no less important because of all the difficulties that we're going through. Uh, so I think that that can be one of two things. You don't have to enact a grand plan right now, although you may be tempted to because this is a, a particular decan about making hubristic, grandiose plans. Um, but the, 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 the downside of that is that we may not be able to deliver on what we're you know, envisioning at this point. So just be careful with that as Jupiter moves direct. Um, and also appreciate the little things in your life. That I think that can be another way that you can really use this Jupiter energy in its fall is really being appreciative of those, you know, little mundane gifts, those little, the sunsets, the, um, the walks in the, in the woods. Those are, those are Jupiterian gifts as well. Those kind of little earthly delights that we may take for granted at other times when, you know, Jupiter is a, maybe in some better shape. All right, moving forward, uh, Mars is going to be in Aries. It is moving backwards from 28 to 27 degrees of Aries in that third decan conjoining that fixed our vertex that we talked about last week, which was uh, a nebula in the, the constellation Andromeda. It was the damsel in distress. Nebula is being associated with blindness, so potentially taking some actions in, in haste uh, that are maybe that we aren't be able to see the consequences of those actions that we're taking. Um, Mars is in its own domicile, so it's still strong, but it is now moving in the uh, the with the divine's will rather than the planetary will or the earthly will. Remember, the planetary movement is sort of related to the the realm, the lunar realm, and the realm of the moon, uh, which is about forms coming into being and passing out of being. It's about kind of like uh, how we deal with things on this earthly realm. The secondary motion, which follows the path of the sun is more about the divine will and more about the kind of the spiritual realm that is a little bit more eternal. And uh, this is one of the ways that I've thought about retrograde planets now, after studying with my teacher at Chutababa for a long time, this was a concept I learned from him, uh, was uh, just, this is kind of a, the divine course correction for Mars. It's um, where the, you kind of have to let go of the oars. You kind of have to let your actions be redirected. I had a really nice conversation with another um, more veteran astrologer today who is a, a really great writer and is, is very successful in my local area, but does, uh, you know, international work as well. And um, yeah, she was really talking to me a lot about what I'm doing here as an astrologer and being efficient with my time. And it was some really, really good feedback. And I think that that was, that was Mars coming and like giving me like a course correction to really reconsider how I'm using my uh, martial will. And this is something where you may be experiencing this in your own life too, is, is maybe getting, learning to accept that feedback, Mercury and Libra opposing your Mars, you know, self-directed will, causing you to maybe consider two sides of an issue uh, and without having to necessarily move forward with your own desire right now. This is actually a really great time for collecting information and seeing how it fits within the big Saturnian picture. Okay, uh, Mars is going to be in the terms of Saturn. So Mars is following Saturn's rules right now. And, and really, Saturn's asking Mars to slow down and consider the consequences of our actions. 
And again, I've, I've been really experiencing that quite a bit, not just with my own career in astrology work, but with thinking about um, my place in society as far as like climate change and, and how to work within uh, what I think is a new economy that is coming uh, that is based not on exponential unlimited growth, but takes into consideration the cycles of nature and being able to pare things down been doing a lot of research on how to create um, prosperity during these new times, these new challenges. There's a difference between prosperity and wealth. Um, prosperity is, is being able to, you know, live well within the circumstances that we have, you know, without, you know, being unrealistic about what our global circumstances are. And um, that's really you know, you have to take a lot, a hard look at what the future is going to bring because um, a lot of the education that I've been exploring, the main, the main line that they start with is the next 20 years are not going to be like the last 20 years. And, and that's not just like hyperbole. That's like, we're heading towards a big paradigm shift. And you've heard me talk about this uh, really intensely. And one of the things I'm learning from this, there's this website, it's called Peak Prosperity. I really like it. Really, really practical, like economic education. Um, but it, that is based on an awareness of the challenges that we face as a human species moving forward through things like climate change and through population growth, um, through, you know, the resources that we have sort of becoming a little bit more limited. And it, it's very, very interesting. Um, so I'll, I'll maybe, you know, take a look at that. Maybe I'll include a link or something. Um, but, but see what you think. There's like a crash course on economics in the new, um, <laughs> the new paradigm. And it's a little scary at first. I will, ad I will admit, um, thinking about things like peak oil and things like, uh, you know, not having enough water, um, is uh, sobering. Uh, it's very Saturnian. And, uh, but those are questions that we really need to ask ourselves. And if we can't ask ourselves those questions while, uh, like I said, while half of the country is on fire, literally on fire, um, then I don't know when we'll be able to do that. Another thing I wanted to point out before we move forward is that uh, I've been reading some articles on indigenous um, fire management practices. And I really think that's another uh, interesting direction for research and for studies. Um, there are indigenous peoples that have really understood how to manage these different um, this different land and these different climates for for centuries for millennia and really like starting to listen to those people rather than you know just stealing what they have and then you know <laughs> exploiting it i think is important i think that's another thing with mars retrograde looking back and with especially with that square to saturn is looking to the past looking to history looking to um this knowledge that has lasted over the test of time um, one of the things that has really been pointed out to me in these peak prosperity videos is the exponential growth curve and how we are heading towards uh, some real accelerated pain as far as like using up our resources, as far as population growth, as far as like economic inflation and collapse. Um, I mean, I'm not trying to like scare anybody, but I do think we need to kind of it's time to wake up. It's time to like really take this stuff seriously and not live in, in our little um, bubble of like, oh, we'll deal with this in, uh, you know, I don't know, over a gradual period of time. 
Um, I do think that, you know, we will have to make some sustainable changes, but um, they're going to have to be some drastic changes along with that, or at least a drastic commitment to making those changes and taking action on it, not just having it be idealistic um, talk. So anyway, soapbox over. Let's get back to planetary condition. <laughs> a lot of things on my mind. A lot of, it's just uh, trying to contextualize all these things for you is, uh, it's, uh, it's a heavy weight. Uh, there's been a lot of those thoughts. I want to hear what your experience has been as you see those images coming out of California and Oregon. I have some friends in Oregon too, so it's really hitting home to me um, in Washington and all those areas that are dealing with this hardship. My, my heart goes out to them, but it's also really making me say, well, well what do we do about it? You know, what do we do? We can't just continue doing what we've been doing and expect this to get better because I just, this is every year we're seeing this now. You know, I have friends in Florida too. Every year hurricane season gets a little more violent. Every year these fires get a little bit bigger. Uh, and the time for change is now. It's, it's, it's now. So anyway, Venus is going to be in Leo, moving through, through 8 to 16 degrees of Leo. Uh, it'll be in, on its own terms from 6 to 11 degrees, and then moving on to the terms of Saturn from 11 to 18 degrees. It's going to be conjoining a few fixed stars in the uh, first and second decade of Leo. Uh, at 9 degrees of Leo, it'll conjoin the, uh, the northern, uh, the southern ass, the southern ass, Acellus Australis, at 9 degrees, and then at 13 degrees of Leo, it'll be conjoining the fixed star Acubens, and then at 15 degrees, it'll be conjoining Doobie in uh, Ursa Major. It's going to be making a trine with uh, that retrograde Mars and Aries, sextiling Mercury and Libra, and then squaring Uranus and Taurus. It will be in aversion to its uh, host, the Sun, in Virgo. So again, this is another condition we see where, you know, Venus is trying to get to use the resources of being able to command authenticity, be able to, to command identity, um, being able to create vitality. Um, but it, it's not really in communication with the sun right now, and that creates a, a little bit of confusion, a little bit of darkness around what we're trying to do with Venus. Venus this week is, is really trying to unite uh, our actions with who we really are as spirit souls, our identities, our egos, with who we really are. And so it's saying, is, is the expression that you show to the world, is it in alignment with what you really feel deep in your heart? And that's, that's really what, what uh, Venus is trying to explore through this particular decade. So we'll see. Mercury this week is, is moving through 12 to 22 degrees of Libra, conjoining the fixed star Algarab at 13 Libra. It is the triplicity ruler of the air signs in the nighttime. It will be on its own terms from 6 to 14 degrees. It'll be on the terms of Jupiter from 14 to 21 degrees, and then the terms of Venus from 21 to 28 degrees. It is, of course, making the overcoming square to Saturn, Jupiter, and Pluto and Capricorn, opposing that retrograde uh, Aries-Mars, and then sextiling Venus in Leo. It will be sextile to its host Venus in Leo. So that is uh, a, a harmonious relationship between Venus and Mercury. So this is good for discussions. This is good for weighing both sides of an issue. This is really good for um, you know, being able to think about how we're going to create justice and equality in our world 
from our most authentic self. That to me says, what is our role in this? This is asking, what is your role in creating equilibrium in the world? And, and that, those are good things to really explore as Mercury is moving through uh, Libra this week. The moon will be waning from its balsamic phase to the new moon. Uh, that new moon is happening on Tuesday the 15th, and then it'll start waxing from the new to the crescent phase. It will be peregrine in the sign of Leo. It will have triplicity uh, in the nighttime uh, as the triplicity ruler of the earth signs when it moves into Virgo. It will have uh, dignity by face in the first decan of Libra, and then it will move into its fall in the sign of Scorpio. Okay, that's the, uh, the longer uh, planetary condition report. Let's move forward to Monday. Hope that you're all hanging in there. I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to experiment a little bit with the uh, forecast this week. Maybe go a little quicker. Maybe contextualize a little more. I don't think I'll spend as much time on all of the lunar details. Okay, on Monday the 14th, the moon is going to be in Leo in the balsamic phase. It is going to be conjoining uh, Venus very early in the morning making a square to Uranus uh, in the early hours in the Eastern time zone, and then making a sextile to, uh, to Mercury. Um, the non-lunar aspects of the day is the sun is going to be trining a retrograde Pluto. So you can see the sun at about 22 degrees of Virgo here, making a positive sextile, I'm sorry, a positive trine with Pluto. As Venus is on the fixed star, Acellus Australis. Okay, uh, so the other thing, we have two fixed stars actually on this day. We've got Venus on Acellus Australis and Mercury on uh, Algarab. And then eventually the sun is going to move onto the fixed star Alkis. So we'll see if we can combine all of those things here. Um, when the sun is making contact with Pluto, uh, now this is a positive communication between those two planets. Um, generally with sun-Pluto contacts, we can think of uh, intensity, enthusiasm, drive, potentially uh, ambition that could be slightly ruthless with Pluto being involved in the mix. Pluto intensifies things, and the, the sun is a planet of authority. It's a planet that commands. It's a planet that where we're trying to create vitality through leadership. And um, when Pluto gets involved, we, there may be some you know, intensity that comes up. We're, we're shining light on things. This is the other thing that the sun does is it, it creates an awareness of things. Gnosis is the word I like to, to use. Um, and we may be having an awareness of some of the corruption that is involved in the systems that we are a part of, the third decan of Capricorn. Remember that decan was, was called the throne by Austin Kopic, where we're dealing with power structures. And the sun in the third decan of Virgo is talking about what stays and what goes. So we may have an awareness of the corruption in our power structures uh, and the, the passing of time. This is really another thing about the third decan of the sun in, in uh, Virgo or the third decan of Virgo, where the sun is passing through. It's a very much a decan where we are preparing for the transition of summer into the fall, transition of the dominance of the light into the darkness, transition of the body that is uh, 
being subjected to the forces of entropy. And, you know, think of an old man that is about to leave his body. He's considering uh, the life that he has lived, the, the actions that he's taken on this material plane, and what legacy he's going to leave behind to his, his uh, ancestors that come after him, to his community, to the world. And uh, thinking about what he needs to get rid of too, you know, he's shedding that mortal coil and, and retaining that spiritual essence and that spiritual core. So this uh, requires detailed analysis. Uh, this requires a very sober, um, practical thinking. I mean, think about this too. You could think about the sun in this Deccan, like it's writing its will right now. It says, I'm going to leave this to this person. I'm going to leave the house to Johnny. I'm going to leave the, the, you know, the, I don't know, I'm going to leave the business to, uh, to Audrey, you know, like it's, 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 it's kind of one of those types of things. What are you going to bequeath? And what, what do you got in your house that you uh, have been storing that is of no use or no value to anyone that just needs to be gotten rid of? Uh, and this may really be giving you an awareness of those things with that contact with Pluto. What I've seen with Pluto contacts is, we, we see the corruption in, our, in a certain area of our life. So here's an example, okay? I have uh, the sun is in the second house in a Leo rising chart, and Pluto is in the sixth house for me and all you other Leo ascendants. And probably on this day, September the 14th, with this contact, I'll be asking myself, how do I utilize my time? Six house matters. How do I arrange my day? Uh, and is it lucrative? <laughs> like, is it something that is um, supporting me? Uh, whether it's through resources or through building relationships. Uh, remember, wealth is not just monetary. Wealth is uh, the people in your life. Wealth is the, you know, the garden that you have in your backyard. And I know that for me, this, as we see the perfection of the sun and Pluto, I'm asking myself those questions. What, how do I use my time efficiently? What stays and what goes? And is there some corruption in my systems? And you can, you can kind of do that and, and shift it around to your own chart to see where do I have an awareness of where I need to let go of some things? And how is the corruption in that other area of life, the, the uh, Capricorn area of life, how is that... Uh, going to be played out. And again, this is a positive communication between these two planets on Monday. So this may be a time where you're really getting clear, where you're getting some clarity. You've gone through the opposition with uh, Neptune, where you had some fuzzy uh, getting in contact maybe a little bit with where you want to go in life. And now it's like after you come out of this, after it's starting to separate, you know, what are you going to do to make that vision a reality? What are you going to, how are you going to manifest? All right, let's move forward to, to Venus's contact with Acellus Australis. Now, this is a fixed star in the constellation of Cancer. And I'm going to go to the star chart for a second here. And here we see, uh, if I go back a little bit in time, you're going to see Venus right here. And Venus is right in the heart of this constellation, Cancer, which is uh, aligned in the sky with the tropical zodiac sign of Leo. And um, 
here is Acellus australis right here, okay? Right in, there's two of these. There is Acellus borealis, the northern, uh, the northern mule or the northern ass, and Acellus australis, the southern one. Now, whenever we're dealing with these two fixed stars that either have a northern or a southern uh, expression, the, uh, the one in the north is generally thought of as the more positive of the two, and the southern one brings some more difficulties. Now, I was doing some research on these fixed stars, and, I, and there's some really cool stuff uh, in Oscar Hoffman's book um, about subjugating desire. He was taught. He uses a lot of biblical symbolism in his book, which I think is is, is interesting. He's he mixes uh, some of the um, Greek mythology uh, with kind of the and applying it in like uh, you know sort of these these stories with with Jesus and things like that. Which yeah, it's 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 part of our cultural mythology, so I think it's it's useful. And he talks about Jesus riding on. I believe there's a story where Jesus rides in on, on a mule um, or the relationship of Jesus with the mule in the manger as well. And he talks about that as being able to subjugate evil. There was some relationship with, uh, with a mule, with, with, I guess, the devil in the Bible. And, you know, the devil representing more of our base desire. He talks a lot about uh, overcoming desire nature in his book. And he, he really contextualizes fixed stars in, in, in a lot of those terms. And um, the, the southern uh, ass is the more unruly of the two. So the one that is the desires that are more difficult to rein in, that are more difficult to direct and control. Um, this fixed star was associated with unfair accusations. Um, with burns, fevers, and disgraces, uh, with, with criticism. I remember the last time I had, uh, we, we saw a, a planet conjoining this particular fixed star. I got a, uh, I believe, a, a somewhat of a negative comment on one of my social media things. And it, I don't know if it was necessarily warranted. It was just kind of a random, like, your forecasts are too long, <laughs> like, like without anything constructive attached to it. And I was like, oh, there's, there's the southern ass, you know, some kind of unruly uh, message. I believe it was when Mercury was conjoined this fixed star. Um, but with Venus here, Venus is going to, we may see this expression in our relationships. We may receive some criticism in our relationships. We may uh, see this through, uh, you know, one of the universal significations of Venus is, is women. We may see this through women or through our attempts to harmonize things, but we may be um, drawing upon um, our desire, our unbridled, uncontrollable desire nature to fix things and express ourselves. But it may be we may be expressing ourselves in a little bit too harsh a way with Venus on this particular fixed star. So I would I'd be careful that your attempts to create authenticity and to create harmony by being yourself, which is what part of the job of Venus and Leo is. Uh, you just be careful that you're not overdoing it and that you are not basing it on something loud and obnoxious like, like that, like a donkey braying. This could be, you know, becoming a little bit too loud and obnoxious in our relationships, trying to create uh, some unity <laughs> that may have the opposite effect. So I think that's what's going on with Venus on Acellus Australis on Monday. Now let's take a look at um, Mercury on the fixed star Algarab 
because this is going to help inform our story uh, into Tuesday as well. Now here we see Corvus the crow. And Algarab is right on the back, okay? And as we move forward, we're going to see uh, Mercury here. Where is Mercury? There is, it's Mercury. There's Mercury in projected ecliptical degree with Corvus. And also the sun is going to come in alignment with Alkis, which is part of the crater, the cup, over the next few days. So this is all going to be part of our mythology that we're playing out along with some of the fixed stars in uh, Virgo. We've got Mercury, as I'm recording this, conjoining that fixed star Vindemiatrix that I talked about last week, um, and uh, some of the themes of like, I don't know, this was, this was about the Widowmaker. Uh, this was about a, a youth that was like the sorcerer's apprentice, so to speak. Um, maybe he, there's a story of, of Vindemiatrix associated with the, the, the youth uh, Ampelos, who was a, a consort of Dionysus. And he climbed a, a grapevine that was a little bit too high and he fell and broke his neck. So like trying to reach for something maybe a little bit beyond our grasp. And with uh, Mercury conjoining the fixed star Algarab at 13 degrees of, of Libra, um, there's a story that goes with the, the, the crow uh, and Apollo. And this cup, uh, crater, is the cup of Apollo, the Holy Grail, a divine vessel that is carrying something sacred. And the crow was given a task by Apollo to fill that cup. And what happens over the particular um, story is that the crow gets distracted by this delicious fig. Okay, by material desire, by, by, you know, something shiny as crows are tempted to get distracted by. And he fails to, to fill that cup. He fails to recover the, the divine truth because he got distracted by the material form of things. And uh, he was punished for that. Um, and what happens is he doesn't just like, um, he doesn't just accept responsibility right away. He blames uh, his failing on Hydra, saying, oh, Hydra, the snake, blocked the way, and kind of, you know, shifts blame. So there's some blame shifting and lying associated with this particular fixed star. So what I would say is that uh, when we're dealing with Mercury here and with the sun on Crater or on Alkis, okay, which is going to be happening over the course of the next couple of days, is we have a divine task. We have, we have a task to figure out what stays and what goes, what sacred gift we're going to give to the world. And it, it's easy to get distracted by uh, material desires. It's easy to get distracted by some shiny toy or some shiny distraction that uh, hasn't, does not really help us fulfill that purpose of dealing with preparing for the winter and delivering that divine message. So as we move through Monday and Tuesday, it's really important not to get distracted by uh, some kind of shiny thing, by maybe even, uh, you know, some tasty food <laughs> or like, or it doesn't even have to be food. It could just be anything that is more uh, temporarily more satisfying than doing the hard work of leaving a legacy. Um, it's very important that you're honest around this period of time too. Because that crow was punished by Apollo for, for 
for lying and, and whatnot. So uh, there may be a temptation to get out of our divine responsibility, um, but that will have consequences. All right. So let's take a look at Tuesday here on our chart. So on Tuesday, on Tuesday, September the 15th, uh, we are going to be continuing to play out those themes that I talked about on Monday with Al Garab uh, on that fixed star. The sun will be very close to the fixed star Alkis at 23 degrees of Virgo. So again, we'll be playing out those themes, uh, an awareness of what the divine gift that we want to be uh, passing on to the next generation or or to the next generation of ourselves as we as we move through the the summer and what we've been trying to build over this last summer as humble as it might be within the circumstances that we have um, and the new identity that we're trying to create in this new paradigm that is inevitably coming um, if you haven't been feeling that shift uh, well you just haven't been paying attention because most of us I've been feeling a shift, especially with asking ourselves, who are we? Who are we when everything else is taken away? I saw a post by a musician friend the other day who was talking about, you know, thinking about how different it is not to play music in front of an audience. And of hearing professional athletes saying how different it is, how difficult it is to get up for a, a sporting event. Um, he was, this friend was commenting on, baseball players kind of mailing it in because there's no crowd. And, and those questions are coming up for a lot of us. Who are we when there isn't the, the, the societal structures that we're used to? Who are we when we don't go to a particular job that has defined us for so long? Who are we and what do we want to create from a soul level rather than a utilitarian level, rather than what society told us was our role? Those are the questions that we're going to be are be coming up with this uh, fixed star Alkis, with the sun on that third decan of Virgo, and as we move forward to the grand conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn in December. Now on Tuesday, the sun's going to be moving from Leo into Virgo at 2:37 p.m., continuing that balsamic phase. This balsamic phase is about letting go of things. It's about what are we, you know, really consolidating into the the seed of our new moon experience. So great time to get rid of things. Uh, this, the moon will be making a trine to a retrograde Mars uh, from 27 Leo to 27 Aries about 11.09 a.m. And then it'll move into Virgo in the afternoon. And the other things that we're going to be seeing on Tuesday the 15th is Venus is going to be moving into the second decan of Leo. And we'll break that down for you here. And this is also in context of a square to Uranus. So we've got a second deck in Leo Venus squaring a second deck in Taurus Uranus. So what what is Leo trying to what is Venus trying to do in the second decan of Leo as it moves into there at about 4:56 a.m. This particular decan is represented by the 6 of wands which is called victory. Uh, uh, Austin Coppock calls it a crown of laurels and here in it we see a figure that is, you know, in the midst of a celebration or a triumphant return home, potentially from a battle. And that battle uh, we saw in the first decan of Leo in that five of wands where we're competing and trying to figure out who we are. And here we've won uh, some hard fought 
um, battles for authenticity. So this is a double Jupiter ruled Deccan. Uh, Venus is going to be an aversion to its host, so that does complicate things. Um, this is where we may be recognizing what kind of privilege that we have, what kind of public victory that we are, we've worked very hard to, to maintain. Um, this is when we have a harmonious union, as I was talking about, of the ego, of how we project ourselves out into the world, and our true self, our true spirit, our true heart. Now, that authenticity may be creating some challenge. Remember, squares are of the nature of Mars. With the Taurus ruled area of our chart, uh, where we have been trying very hard to, to make a, to break down old structures and to bring in something new. All right, so this is where we're having potentially some conflicts. Uh, so let's just uh, take, for example, this is a Libra rising chart right here. And we have Venus in the 11th house of friends. And we have Uranus in the 8th house of Taurus. And you Libra risings out there may be really uh, trying to create some authenticity within your friend groups and within the groups that you share a sense of purpose with. And that be, may be creating some strain right now on your ability to shake up the way that you share resources with other people. Like this uh, could play out with like, you may be trying to bring a group of people together, but there may be some real arguments on how to deal with the resources of that group. Let's say you're an, like a, a treasurer of a particular uh, group of people, if you're a Libra rising, and uh, you may be really fighting for what you believe in, uh, for what, how those resources should be allocated. Um, but it's really creating some tension now because your belief systems within that group are now creating that stir and that shakeup with, with Uranus. Um, and Uranus is in a decan that is focused on distribution of resources. We see that that, that particular planet is, is working with that energy that's represented by the six of pentacles where we see someone distributing resources over time. So some basic Venus Uranus uh, expressions. This could be where we are seeing uh, a really offbeat aesthetic taste or aesthetic nature too. It's, it could be too that you have some really wild ideas liberalizing for the group right now. Um, and you have some really offbeat ways that you think that the, the um, oh, I don't know, that the new uh, website should look, okay? <laughs> you, may, you may be really like, uh, you know, there may be some peacock energy associated with that. That's a really good image, I think, for Venus Uranus as the peacock, really like saying, this is who I am, and this is very wild and, and vivid, vivid coloration type of things. Um, so our desire for personal victory could be conflicting with our material uh, distribution of resources. There could be some kind of aesthetic disharmony that we're experiencing. Um, we may be wanting a, a grandiose expression that is conflicting with, you know, a, a more conservative expression with the Taurus area of our life. Okay, so that's what we're seeing here with Venus square Uranus. Now, this is interesting too, that Venus is in conflict uh, with, or Uranus is in conflict with its host, 
So there, there is some sort of, you know, relationship with um, Venus being the dispositor of Taurus. So that is, a, that is something that may mitigate this a little bit, is that there is uh, at least communication with its host. Okay, let's move forward to Wednesday. Now, this is one thing that I'm experimenting with and see if you like it. Uh, I'm not going to do every single rising sign here, but that could be something that I incorporate into potentially like a, a Patreon or something where I do not, I will admit, I, I dislike the idea of paywalls. But if there's some kind of like carrot on the stick, like extra special content that would encourage people to to be a subscriber to a Patreon, like like maybe some more rising sign specific uh, forecasts, then that might be something I, I would consider offering. Um, and that's why I'm kind of experimenting with that today and see if that is something that people are interested in. I know everybody likes to hear about themselves. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how that works. I'm giving you a little bit of a peek behind the curtain. But, uh, you know, this is the thing. As a um, astrologer and as an artist, uh, I think it's important to walk the fine line of, of doing what you love, Venus in, in Leo, and, you know, making whatever you're doing accessible to your audience and a service to your audience. And this is a question I've, I've asked myself a lot, is how much do you have to adjust the message for the audience and their needs? And how much is it, should it be an ex, a true expression of what you really love? Like, and I, I, I'm hearing a lot of opinions from a lot of different people. Um, I know that my true self is that I'm extraordinarily detailed. I, li I like the jargon, the astrological nomenclature and talking about it. I've heard some other opinions of some people like that. Some people are like, nobody wants to hear the jargon. Make it simpler. Make it more practical. And um, I don't know. I have, I have mixed feelings on that. Um, it may be a balance between the two. And this may be what you're going through too with, with your own uh, life right now when you're trying to balance out how, how you create authenticity in, in, your, in your life as we move forward. But give me some feedback on that. This is the time for feedback. And please be nice. <laughs> please. I'm sensitive. <laughs> like, I'm a human being. I'm doing most of this stuff for free as a service because I, I love it and I care about all of you and want to be helpful. So if you do give me some feedback, please be kind. <laughs> like I, that's all I ask. Please, you know, try to, you know, not be a jerk about it. And, uh, you know, if you can express those things in a, in a Mercury and Libra kind way, that would, that would go a long way to me hearing your message. Uh, and and, and any, anybody in your life that you're giving feedback to at this point right now. I know Mars is retrograde and we're going to want to be giving feedback to different people in our lives, but... Uh, you know, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. And I think that you're going to lower someone's defenses with Mars retrograde if you are giving that feedback, if you're doing it in a way that that person can hear and that isn't uh, attacking them, right? That is, is more about like just a little bit being objective. Um, so again, that's what I ask for if you're going to give feedback. Is, I mean, I can take it if it's, if it's well thought out and considered and, and practical. If it's just like, I don't like this. That's not constructive feedback. And that may not be a way to communicate with the people in your life is like, eh, I don't like this. That's just whining. 
Um, so yeah, if you're giving feedback in your, in your, whether it's here on this channel or to people in your life, um, try to give them practical, actionable things that they can do and, and, and then be ready to accept that sometimes they will, you know, take your advice. And sometimes that advice won't necessarily be something that they will act upon. And that will be true with the feedback I get here. There will be some things I'm like, you know, that's good. I'm going to take that in consideration. And I may take action on it. And I may be like, ah, oh, that's not really my thing. Um, and, and that's okay. That's what, what Venus and Leo is telling us right now. And, and even Mars to some extent, it's okay to be different. You know, it's okay to be ourselves. It's okay to, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't know, have that authentic expression. But it's also okay to take other people's opinions into account too. If we only take our own values and, and our own decisions into account, then we start to you know, run the risk of maybe you know, becoming our own little echo chamber and maybe gravitating to some more narcissistic expressions, um, whether it's intentional or not. Uh, it definitely is important as a, as a community that we are, we are still able to hear other people's uh, viewpoints. Okay, moving forward to Wednesday, September the 16th. I got to change my notes over here. My very long, arduous, detailed notes. Let's see if we can come in under an hour and a half here. I don't know if I'm going to make it. Last week was crazy. I did two hours. I know that was too much. Um, on Wednesday, the 16th, the moon is going to be in Virgo, uh, completing its balsamic phase. It will move under the bond at 5.15 a.m., uh, around 9 degrees of Virgo. So that may be a time where it's a little bit difficult to start anything new or to, to enact anything on this physical realm. That's where we're going to be starting to gain the seeding of the new, the new moon. So try not to get too frustrated, excuse me, if, you, if things aren't, aren't manifesting the same way that you normally expect them to when the moon goes under the bond. The moon's going to make a trine to Uranus at around 7 uh, a.m., 7.23 a.m., from 10 degrees of uh, Virgo to Taurus, and then it'll make a trine to a newly direct Jupiter from 17 Virgo to 17 Capricorn at 6.54 p.m. We'll finish the day with an opposition to a retrograde Neptune around 10 o'clock. Okay, so the big, big news really of uh, Wednesday is, is that moon moving under the bond, okay? And uh, again, that's going to help us lead up to that new moon energy that we're going to be experiencing on Thursday. Uh, so let's move forward to Thursday because I think that's when we've got a lot of stuff happening on Thursday. So on Thursday, September the 17th, Moon starts out in Virgo, but moves into Libra at 2.55 p.m. Um, we are going to be seeing a new moon. You can see it right here, new moon, a conjunction of the sun and the moon at about 7 a.m. So let's go to the new moon. We'll break it down. Here's the, almost the exact time of the new moon. You see it's conjunct. Okay. There it is right there. We have a few things happening on this new moon. We have Mercury making a square to Jupiter. Now remember, Mercury is the host of this new moon. So that's important to take into consideration. What is the host of this lunation doing? Okay. We also have the sun 
which is part of this lunation, making a trine, okay, to Saturn very closely, okay? So we've got two really important aspects that are playing out within the new moon. Now, remember, I talked about the uh, third decan of Virgo last week, but that's represented by the Ten of Pentacles, where we see uh, an old man considering you know, the actions of his life, getting ready to shed his mortal coil, to get ready for the judgment of, of the fall, which we could consider the judgment of Mott with the weighing the, the weight of the heart against the ostrich feather. And uh, so this particular new moon is going to be really seeding that energy of legacy. That, that word just keeps popping up in my mind. What stays and what goes? What is the legacy that you want to create from uh, 2020, you know, and, and from, uh, <laughs> this is, a, I don't want to lay too much pressure on you, but what is the legacy that you want to leave behind from Jupiter-Saturn conjunctions in earth signs, in the old paradigm, in the old material paradigm, because we're getting ready for a new society with Jupiter conjoining uh, Saturn in the air signs for the next two to 300 years. So this is a great time to think about what have you built on a material level and what can you leave behind as far as how you deal with society and its material structures. We're moving towards a more decentralized type of environment where, you know, think of the quality of air. Now, it's, it, there's a little bit of a paradox in that because some astrologers would argue that with this conjunction happening in Aquarius, we have a consolidation, Saturn of power, right, of a new power structure. Um, but there's sort of a, a, a little bit of a paradoxical nature because air can't really be contained, um, but Saturn is kind of like making the rules. Um, again, my friend SJ was talking about a, a centralized, autocratic, totalitarian type of one world order type of thing uh, with, with this, which is, in, it's entirely possible. I hope that that's not the case. Um, I guess the only thing that I would say would be an advantage of that type of thing, because we're going to be exploring the advantages and disadvantages of this moving forward, is we are going to have to have some kind of centralized cooperative effort if we are going to deal with the, the very real challenges of a changing climate, of a dwindling resource base, of the um, population, the exponential population growth that's going to explode in the years ahead, explode. And if you aren't familiar with exponential growth, you've got these graphs, okay? And you have this curve that looks like a hockey stick and it goes like this and then it starts to shoot up like this, okay? We've had population growth that's been fairly steady for thousands and thousands of years. And then we've hit this point where it's starting to, to increase exponentially. And we have, you know, some, what people are talking about, the carrying capacity of the earth. And we are kind of at it right now. And we're doubling our population. You know, it used to be we'd double a population every 500 years. Then we'd double a population every 100 years. And now we're doubling a population every 15 years. Think about that. Well, we've got 7 billion people on the earth. When you go from 7 billion to 15 million people in the span of like, uh, and my numbers may be a little bit off. I think the numbers maybe you're adding a billion people to the earth every 15 years now. Uh, so I, I'll correct my math on that. But still, 
you know, going from 6 billion to 7 billion people in the span of 15 years is crazy and will stress all of our systems. And that is going to need and necessitate a cooperative effort to deal with how we are going to take care of the planet. And I really think that's really the challenge is how do we, you know, create a system where we can cooperate across nations globally that isn't at the same time overly oppressive or overly invasive when it comes to our individuality. One of the dangers of Aquarian type of energy is becoming lost like a number in the crowd. Remember, you know, this is the, uh, the exile of the sun. Okay. So when we're dealing with Aquarius stuff, and I'm saying this in context of the new moon, because we're saying this is the time before the grand conjunction where you're figuring out what stays and what goes. Okay. And remember that with the sun, it has its exile in the, in the sign of Aquarius. So our individual needs, the sun selection and our, our own identity it's going to be more difficult to create that individual identity within the group. It's going to be a little bit more, uh, I would say, repressed. That's going to be part of the problem that we're experiencing moving forward into this new paradigm shift is how do we establish uh, ourselves as individuals when, when we're being asked to sacrifice so much for the needs of the, of the group? Um, this was one thing that we were talking about with the fixed our diadem. Uh, uh, last week, the, the, one of the notes that I put out there was the needs of the many outweigh the, the needs of the one. And I got some pushback on that like from, from somebody in a comment. And, uh, you know, and it was just in relationship to that particular fixed star. So, you know, it doesn't necessarily reflect um, my opinion on this, on, you know, everything. I do think it will be a, a fine line about how we do balance our individual needs versus the needs of the group. Um, we go too far in one direction and we're, uh, we are creating a lot of, um, we can create some abuse, uh, you know, through not acknowledging our individuality. Um, so yeah, that's going to be, <laughs> that's going to be the question of the next couple hundred years, I think is how do we become individuals within a, a system that is requiring us to cooperate with one another and give up a lot so that we can, we can stay on this planet and stay on it in a way that is sustainable, that we can sustain ourselves as a human species and the other species because we're seeing extinction. We've seen that same exponential growth curve happening with species extinction right now too, okay? And, and I, you know, again, we have to also balance the need to like really take these things seriously and start saying, okay, what the hell do we do now without, you know, losing our minds? Okay. Like how can we maintain our center while we're dealing with these really intense and important, uh, you know, conversations. And this may be part of the Mercury Jupiter opposition that we're experiencing at this new moon too. Um, Mercury is in the second decade of Libra. It is asking us to, to question all of the contracts that we're being bound to. And with its square to Jupiter, this is about like, what are the terms of the deals? Okay, what are the, what is the, uh, the societal um, terms that we've agreed upon? 
and because a society is based on uh, agreements, it is based on unspoken agreements. It's based on written agreements that are that are put into place as laws. It's based on um, familial relationships. It's based on relationships with our bosses. It's relation relationships with our employees. It's based on relationships with our politicians and with our judges. Uh, and we're going to be uh, renegotiating a lot of those things right now as we move forward into you know our election cycle here. Um, this could be the beginning really of like saying, what are we going to maintain as part of our, our government, as part of our you know agreed upon um, relationships in our local communities as well? All of those things are on the table. And uh, with a, the sun making a harmonious trine to Saturn. Saturn is asking for contraction. Saturn is asking to um, let go of all the things that aren't working. And, and Saturn's going to be assisting. Saturn is asking for us to take the long-term view to, to delay immediate gratification. Okay, This is what Saturn is doing to Mars right now. It's saying delay this immediate desire this immediacy. Mars is a planet of immediacy, especially in Aries. It's saying, I want this and I want it now. And now Mars is moving retrograde and receiving that overcoming square to Saturn. So our actions are not going to be able to be fulfilled right away. This is the aspect of delayed gratification, thinking of the long term. Remember, legacy. What legacy do we want to leave behind from the old era? And what legacy do we want to craft for the generations to come in the new era? Those, those are the, the questions that we're going to be seeing with this, new, with this new moon. Okay, mental discipline is the key, okay? Mental discipline is the key. And again, balance. Uh, we may have a personal desire, and someone else may have a very different personal desire. And we have to be able to open our ears and listen to the other side of things, if they're being rational, and a lot of times they won't be. Sometimes we have to listen to somebody's irrational desires too to really understand where they're coming from. Doesn't mean we have to acquiesce to them. Just means we have to be aware that that's what they want. And then figure out a solution that's equitable for, for everyone, that is fair, that is uh, just, okay? That is, and this, is, this is where we're creating that new society that's fair and just for everyone, that's fair and just for uh, people of color. That's fair and just for um, the average citizen versus the the uh, the oligarchy, right? How do we fairly and justly distribute resources uh, to the common people as well? That's those are the questions we're asking ourselves. How do we manage and maintain our natural resources? You know, being able to hear those voices, hear those indigenous voices, maybe returning to some of those indigenous practices. Returning the land to them to be, this. they were the original stewards of this land. And uh, I think that we've shown as colonizers that we're not very good stewards of this land. Um, and it's time to, to re-engage with those indigenous voices as far as how we're going to move forward. Because there's so much wisdom. There's so much wisdom. And, and I think that the main wisdom is that they just respected the natural cycles of growth and and then respectively of decay. All right. One of the things I was reading in these uh, fire management articles is that fire is important. We've, the reason we're, the main reason, 
from what I've read from the research that I've done, that we have these fires is a combination of, of the, uh, the earth getting hotter, but also to a, a long-term uh, kind of practice of suppressing forest fires and not letting them burn in smaller, more containable ways so that now we have all this fuel, okay, that is just exploding like a, like a bomb, like an atom bomb on the West Coast. And now we see these huge fires. And it's because we didn't allow the smaller, more contained fires to happen over time. And uh, that was some indigenous wisdom where they knew. Uh, and a lot of this is based on capitalism because a lot of the thinking goes is that, oh, we don't want to do these, these smaller fires because those are lumber resources that we could eventually exploit and sell. <laughs> so again, it's motivated by money. And by being willing to sacrifice profits in the short term, you will allow that to be a sustainable resource over the long term. And now what has happened because we weren't, haven't been able, willing to uh, deal with some of these things, we weren't willing to sacrifice short-term profits. There will be no profits, you know, from those uh, forests because they're going to be gone and it'll take, you know, many years for them to recover rather than being able to sustainably on a smaller scale, use those, utilize those resources in a way that's in alignment with nature. It's starting to really bug me. It, it was something that was really important to me as a younger person, you know, I have a, if you didn't know, just a little bit more about my family history, my great-grandfather was a professor of conservation at Purdue. His name was Howard Michaud. You can look him up. There's an award named after him. He spent uh, many years of his, nine, many of his 96 years on this planet, uh, you know, speaking about conservation in the, in the Indiana State Parks uh, in at Purdue, going to these conferences in Switzerland, where he would uh, meet up with people like Aldo Leopold and, and John Muir, and talk about like how can we really uh, preserve this this beautiful uh, land that we live on. And uh, he received a, a lifetime achievement award from Al Gore at the White House um, for his conservation efforts. And there's an award named after him, the Howard Michaud Award, that they give out. Uh, in Indiana for people who have conservation efforts, as well as a few forests that are named after him. I'm really proud of that legacy. That's a legacy that I want to continue on. Uh, if you're thinking about legacies, man, I'm just I'm getting emotional thinking about it because that is uh, the type of, when I think about the life that he lived and how he is going to be remembered, it's going to be for being trying to be one of the good guys, you know, trying to be one of the people that uh, tried to help. And he did. Uh, he did a lot. He did a lot for this uh, country. He did a lot for the earth. And um, he's, he's one of my heroes, really. I don't know why this makes me so emotional today. Sorry. <laughs> but um, I want you to think about that. Let me compose myself for a second. I think of all the people out there that are trying to do good. And uh, it's, a, it's a shadow, really, to live up to that. I think that's what is making me emotional. Sorry. Take a minute. 
I think a lot of times we have people in our family that cast negative shadows and we don't want to be like them. And I certainly have plenty of those people in my family. But it's also a huge responsibility, I think, when you have uh, people who have done great things and trying to live up to that, that legacy is also a different type of pressure and a different type of um, responsibility. And that's something I feel the weight of you know, sharing a last name with a person like that, a Michelle being a Michelle. And uh, it is, I feel the weight of it. And uh, I was listening to my teacher at Chutababa talk about uh, what he's learned as he's done 10,000 charts over 10 years. And he says that the chart will, um, you can either suffer or you can find joy in whatever aspect you have, whether you have abundance or whether you have poverty. And uh, <laughs> I was feeling that really acutely right here as the suffering that that shadow has cast on me. You know, I aspire to it, but it, I also feel suffering from it because of, I feel almost like unworthy of that mantle sometimes. Um, so yeah, that's something to consider as you think about how you want to continue on like your family lineage, your family name, whether it, you want to move away from the negativity in your family or carry on something positive. It can be equally heavy and equally a weight. Um, so I think that's this new moon. I think that's the energy of the new moon. What do you want to leave behind? We decided at the last new moon, uh, who do you want to be, right? That was in the, the final uh, decan of Leo. What, uh, what identity do you want to defend? And in this particular one, it's, it's what are we going to leave behind from that identity, from that identity that we've crafted? What legacy are you going to leave behind? All right, I'll take him. Shake it off. <laughs> Sorry, it's coming off that that Sun Neptune opposition. I don't know. It's been a heavy. It's been a heavy week. Um, I saw a lot of different people this week processing. There was another astrologer on Twitter. Her name, I believe, his name is her name is Palace, or their their name. I'm not sure their pronouns. Um, and they were talking about it's okay to process ecological grief. I think all of that is what is coming up in, in me right now is uh, mourning for seeing the sky turn red and mourning the loss of so much beauty in the world right now um, and realizing the, the daunting task that we have ahead of us if we want to continue to not just thrive but to survive as a species. I'm having some really powerful conversations with some people in my life that understand the weight of this. And um, we've got some work ahead of us, my friends. And I think we can do it. Um, and I think we can, we can be Howard Michaud's. I think we can. Um, but we're going to have to really listen to, to the people in need. We have to listen to uh, our indigenous brothers and sisters, and we're going to have to, uh, we're going to have to be willing to give up some things. We have to be willing to give up convenience. Um, we're going to have to be willing to give up, uh, you know, consumer culture on some level, or really have to make a change in the way that we deal with that, uh, or we're not going to survive. Okay, let's, uh, that's Thursday. Um, the other thing that, uh, 
is happening. Actually, one more thing on ha- is happening on Thursday is, you know, Venus is going to be conjoining the fixed star Acubens, which talks about resurrection. Um, in the Egyptian mythology, the constellation Cancer is associated with the scarab beetle. And that scarab beetle was talking about death and resurrection. Uh, it is the mid- midwife of life and the circle of life. Uh, and about, it's about respecting the sacredness of life. Interesting. I think this really fits with the themes that I've been talking about is as we move forward, we're going to have to birth some kind of new way of dealing with our earth that we're stewards of. And uh, we're going to have to respect the sacredness of it and the, the sacredness of everything that is uh, it's part of and that we are a part of, that we are not, uh, don't like the way that we think of being having dominion over the earth. I hate that. I hate that phrase. I really rail against it. That's one of the main things in the Bible that I think is really misconstrued uh, is that we are like, you know, you know, this have domination over it. And I get really angry when I see people, you know, making that assertion. I can, I can maybe get on board with being stewards stewards of the earth. And this was something that my grand, great-grandfather, grandpa, great-grandpa Howard, was a, he was a steward of the, he was a, a naturalist. He helped people, he gave tours in, in national and state parks, and he was responsible for the upkeep of that little tiny area of the earth. And we all have to start taking that responsibility and say, what, what little area are we responsible for and that we can steward and be good stewards of this. And, and you know, granted, it's not going to just change on a local level. It does as above, so below, and as locally, so governmentally. But I think that, uh, I think people have recycled as much as they can fucking recycle. And now it's time to put pressure on the powers that be that are, um, you know, that's the corporations, that's the government entities that are, those are the people that really are going to, if we are able to make changes on that level, that's when we may see something shift as far as climate change goes. You can recycle till you're blue in the face and you're going to make a very small dent in things. I'm not saying you shouldn't do those things, but the time has come to put pressure on the, the lawmakers and put pressure on the, the, uh, the powerful people that make the, the, big, the big moves in society um, because I think that's the only way we're going to be able to create a more fair and just ecological society as well. All right, let's move forward to Friday. See, I'm getting long-winded again. So important. Stuff is important, though. On Friday, the 18th of September, uh, we are going to see the moon start out in Libra, continuing on the new moon phase. The moon is going to be uh, sextiling uh, Venus at 12:41 p.m. You know, conjoining uh, the moon's conjoining Algarab and making a sextile to uh, Venus conjoining Acubens. So there may be some uh, things that come up with uh, getting distracted. A little bit, so watch out for that. The moon will be squaring Jupiter at 17 Libra and 17 Capricorn at 6:35 p.m., and then conjoining uh, Mercury at 19 Libra at 10:07 p.m. So that's what's going on on Friday, the 18th. Um, I'm going to move forward to Saturday. On Saturday, September the 19th, the moon is moving from Libra to uh, Scorpio at 2:32 p.m., continuing the new moon phase. We're going to see some squares and oppositions on Saturday. The moon is going to be opposed, or squaring uh, retrograde Pluto at 22 Libra and 22 Cap very early in the morning. 
it will then square Saturn and then oppose Mars retrograde in Aries at 27 degrees, very uh, late in the morning. It will then move into Scorpio in the afternoon. Okay, so this is, this is a, a more difficult day on Saturday the 19th where we're going to be asked to create, be, be calm, a calm within the storm that is coming up. With uh, the moon in the third decan of, of Libra, that's kind of an energy where you're using your, all your meditative powers to be able to uh, deal with all of the fluctuating circumstances around you and maintaining your center. And there is a fixed star that's going to be helping you on this day. That is the fixed star Doobie at 15 degrees of, of Leo. And as we, we're going to see, it's going to move forward into 15 degrees. That is a fixed star in the constellation Ursa Major, the Great Bear. And it talks about passive strength, endurance, creating harmony through patience, um, communicating with the immortal sides of ourselves, right? Uh, caregiving, working with children, standing your ground. Um, the constellation of the Great Bear is very close to the pole star, which, which doesn't seem to move, okay, when we're observing the sky. So the bear is kind of moving around this, this point of, of fixed uh, divinity. And so there is this patience around that. Uh, Mercury is also going to be moving into the third decan of Libra. And that, it happens around 3.34 a.m. Um, this is a face that is Jupiter and Mercury ruled. And it has associations with the Four of Swords. So I'll break that down just a little bit more because we talked about the moon in this decan. But Mercury is going to be hanging out here. And in it, we see a figure that is resting. Uh, maybe on a, it's, we've got a, um, a tomb and some stained glass, like perhaps in a church. This card is called Rest from Strife uh, or Truce in the Book of Toth. Uh, Book T, it's Rest from Strife. Austin Coppock calls it a gyroscope. So it's about maintaining balance while there's all these spinning plates around you, all these spinning mechanisms. Okay, so it's about calming the mind, especially with Mercury in this position. Uh, Austin Coppock, and this, he has a really great chapter on this in 36 Faces where he associates it with the concept of nemesis. And this is, it has a very different meaning in Greek mythology. Ne nemesis was the, the goddess or the god that was responsible for restoring balance, okay, to the randomness of, and the twists of fate or the turns of the wheel of fortune associated with 2K. Okay, so this is kind of like, this is very Saturnian energy. This gave a lot of light bulbs as why Saturn is exalted in Libra, because Saturn is attempting, like Nemesis, to restore order to things that have gotten off balance, okay? So we're going to be questioning how do we maintain our center as all of these things are, are swirling around us? How do you maintain your equilibrium when you see, when you're doom scrolling, right? When you're seeing forest fires on the news, when you're seeing uh, the Cheeto uh, tweeting all sorts of dumb stuff every day, you know, sorry. <laughs> um, when you're seeing a new scandal, a new lie, a new, you know, uh, coronavirus numbers, like all of these things are swirling around us. And we're asking, being asked to find an, a peaceful center so that we can take action from a more divine, immortal space, like the great bear 
rather than from a scattered, overly irrational or emotional space that will lead to us making mistakes. Okay, so these are the times to have calming conversations. You may, like I said, the world may be erupting around you. There may be chaos everywhere, but you have to find that calm, centered, you know, divine spark within you that you can connect to. You know, it's like your little happy place. You know, I, I, when I was, uh, I had some, a really good therapist not too, a few years ago, going through some challenging family stuff. I was a family therapist and, uh, you know, he was saying, can you, can you visualize yourself? Where is a place where you can feel very calm? And to me, it was like at a, at a beach. I, I like, really like the sound of the water and the waves. And he's like, well, I want you to like be able to maintain that place in your mind when you're dealing with some of these anxiety producing events. And can you just lower the anxiety level, maybe from 10 or 11, down to seven, down to six, down to five. And from that position, it's much more likely that you'll be able to take an action that is more well-considered than if you take that action from that elevated, heightened 11. And I think really that's what Mercury is going to be working with us with this third decade of Libra here is how can we really calm our minds down? Um, because the astrology of the next few months, it's, it's uh, no joke. It's, it's insane. It's a lot. It's a lot to process. There's a new crisis that happens every day, whether it's socially, whether it's ecologically, whether it's politically. And at a certain point, you have to recognize that, you know, we live on this planet that's billions of years old. You know, we've gone through many different changes as a planet. Uh, some species have survived, some haven't. The earth is going to be okay is what I like to tell people. The earth is going to be fine. The earth is an organism. The question that we have to ask ourselves is, will we be okay as a human species? And whatever other species that our actions have effect on, you know? Do we care about our own survival? It, don't ask yourself, is the earth going to survive? Because the earth is doing what it does. It's self-correcting right now. And the question that humanity is going to have to make doing all this is, do we want to be self-corrected right off the face of the earth? Or are we going to finally start cooperating with the earth so that we can be a guest on this planet? <laughs> like, you know, it's like if you're, uh, you know, if you're a house guest with somebody and you keep like, you know, taking a dump on their carpet. <laughs> or like or like setting fire to their to their kitchen <laughs> or like you know kicking their dog eventually that person's going to kick you out of the street they're going to self correct and say you know what it's not worth it see you later but if you start you know being nice to their dog you know use the toilet rather than you know the carpet you know don't set things on fire in the house maybe you don't even eat everything out of the fridge Maybe you go buy some groceries every once in a while and share some of the food there. Uh, it's much more likely that you'll be allowed to stay. So those are some of the, you know, I make light of it, but this is, you know, sometimes we have to think about those things in practical terms. So do we want to be able to, to stick around? Okay, 
So that's Friday, uh, Saturday the 19th. Um, moving forward here to Sunday, we'll just wrap this up. On Sunday, September the 20th, um, the moon's going to be in, in uh, Scorpio, moving from the new moon to the crescent phase. We'll see an opposition from the moon to Uranus very early in the morning, a square to Venus in the afternoon from uh, Scorpio to Leo, and then a sextile to Jupiter in the evening and a trine to Neptune. So, you know, we're going to be continuing some of these themes. We're going to be, you know, continuing to find our equilibrium. We might get a little zap from Uranus in the morning. We may have some challenging conversations uh, in our relationships in the afternoon, but then we may, you know, start working it out and seeing, maybe having some hope towards the evening with uh, Jupiter and, and maybe some Neptune contacts. Those are positive contacts. So do the hard work in the morning on Sunday and then have a relaxing evening uh, uh, to prepare for your next week ahead. All right, so that's what I've got for this week. Uh, in the week ahead, on the 21st through the 27th, uh, we're going to see a square from Mercury in the third decan of Libra to Pluto in the third decan of Capricorn. On Tuesday, the 22nd, we're going to see our fall equinox with the sun moving into Libra. Mercury is going to conjoin a couple important fixed stars, Spica and Arcturus in the third decan of Libra. So those, are, those generally have positive significations. So th th that might be a good time to have some, some good conversations with people that might bear some fruit. Uh, on Wednesday, the 23rd, Mercury is going to square Saturn. So we've got some squares, so difficult conversations. But again, we'll have some help from those fixed stars. And we'll have a first quarter moon uh, from the Capricorn moon at one degree of Capricorn to uh, one degree of the Libra sun. And then Thursday, the 24th, an opposition from Mercury to Mars at 26 Libra and 26 Aries. And then finally on Sunday, Mercury moves into Scorpio. So a very mercurial week next week uh, where we're going to really be required to have, think on our toes and, and uh, create balance within our lives with all these different competing desires and, and uh, responsibilities. All right, that's what I've got. Uh, I hope that you're all doing well. Thank you for sticking with me. Um, I hope that uh, you're hanging in there. And if you're on the West Coast, uh, man, um, pray for rain and uh, I pray for all of you out there to be safe and to be able to hang, just hang in there, I guess. I, I don't have a, some great advice. I'm just recognizing that uh, I'm thinking a lot about what we need to do as a, as a community to prevent this from happening again. And that, that's, that's the way I'm, I'm taking responsibility for this. If you like what I'm doing here, please uh, make a donation to the uh, Venmo or the PayPal me link. That's how I support myself at this point. Or you can reach out for a reading. Um, if you liked what I did with the rising signs here, this is something that that I would do if you reach out for a reading. I'd look for all these aspects in a transit report, as well as breaking these things down in your own natal chart with the fixed stars and the decans. Um, and it's very much a conversation between the two of us. I try not to get overly detailed in the, in the, um, the readings that I do, unless the, the client is into that. Like then, then we can you know, geek out on it for sure. Um, but I try to make it accessible. I try to make it very practical. I try to give you tangible things that you can work on and work through with these things. Try to be a good listener. Now, that's, the, that's my main job, I think, as an astrologer, is I'll give you the, um, the climate of the times, the weather report, basically, and, and what, what those symbols are saying, and then just kind of hear uh, how that is affecting you and, and, and try to work with you to find uh, some tangible relief or tangible solutions. Um, yeah, 
hit that subscribe button. Make sure you share this with your friends. And uh, I really appreciate all of you as an audience. And please give me some feedback on, on things you'd like to see here in the future. Uh, I think I'm going to wait a little bit with rolling out a new class until Mars goes direct, but I am thinking about it and I am working on it. Um, I'm thinking about doing a fixed star class. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, I'm going to be revamping my website pretty soon too, maybe with some new offerings and some new types of readings. And I'm kicking around the idea of doing a Patreon to support the, week, the, the work that I do potentially with um, maybe more individually uh, specifically focused horoscopes or things like that. So more, more feedback is always good. I know I've asked you once in the past, but uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Anyway, be good to one another. Uh, hang in there. Try to find your happy place. And I will talk to you soon. Peace, everyone.